2: Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. i still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon.
1: Well, yeah, I, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working but on it. what, what on. do
2: you mean that the report isn't finished yet?
1: I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little
2: distracted. Just distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. Dude, are you even listening to me right now?
3: Welcome to episode 132 of the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin, and joining me in the Rack Shack, Chuck, what's up, dude?
0: What's up? Well, hey, I'm feeling a little lonely. There's no one else for me to introduce, so also in the Rack Shack with me is Austin. What's up? (laughs) What's up, buddy? (laughs) I I like kind of turning it, you know, to someone else, We've
3: been on a pretty good roll of having somebody in the studio, and I, I... Keep calling it the studio and it freaks, man. I don't oh, like that we're in the Rack Shack. Yeah. It's just the, the Rack shack. shack. We've been on a good roll with it. Yeah. I I personally, you know, those in-person ones are just they're so much better, no matter what.
0: I agree, but that's not to take away from this episode because this is actually a, a banger of an episode. This as is well. a banger
3: of an episode, man. He's another like almost great white buffalo that we've yeah. had recently. You know, just it's it's always been like either a scheduling thing or like, mm-hmm. oh, we'll do this and then. I'm stoked that he's on. Yeah.
0: with well, This was always like one of the things where, hey, man, you're good to And he was like, we'd yeah, we're going to come on. on. Yeah, yep. absolutely. And then we'd overschedule. <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's just, oh, busy lives, man. Yep, busy lives. Yep,
0: yep. But, well, I guess we'll jump right into business then because this one's going to be pretty relevant to our, our main sponsor, partner, however you want to name them, but Scree Gear. Scree my Gear. My you're rocking a little scree gear tonight. You
3: got the I, best one. I'm on. always rocking scree gear. It's so comfy. It's the greatest. I will it? say, you come on like a, like a Friday night or like a Saturday night, you want to get really comfy in bed. Say it's cold outside. You don't want to crank that thermostat up a little bit. Throw on some Wasatch, dude. Yeah. The tops and the bottoms, they are like my favorite thing to wear to bed. They are so unbelievably comfy. I have come I love to it.
0: find the secret the secret stuff which is the wasatch
3: it's so comfortable
0: dude, they are just to wear around for that and they're warm they're
3: warm i oh. wear them around the house all the time my wife's yeah. like dude you're wearing that again i am i am <laughs>
0: indeed i am you got a problem with that <laughs> slippers tops and bottoms wasatch that's badass yeah. matthew's hat <laughs> I can dig that for sure. We don't we don't talk about that piece as much. You can always find them on sale, like really cheap too. They are such a nice layering system. I mean, we're obviously hugely into merino wool. I love merino, but you know the wasatch. They have that that blend. They have figured it out because it is just
3: warm. Super soft. It's soft as and it's all breathable hell. though. You mm-hmm. don't like you don't get overheated like a lot of the like you get put on a pair of fleece pajamas or something. Right. Like. You're and I'm not die. a big pajama guy usually. Yeah. But they're comfy. It's yeah. like a hug for your body. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I feel you, man. I feel you. I, I like that you mentioned it. And we're gonna get in all kinds of scree stuff on this one. And we're gonna leave it at that. It's not a secret. You already saw his name. We have Josh Jensen on. Josh Jensen. I don't even
3: know why I didn't bring it up before. But that's who we got on for this episode. But, you know, moving on with a little bit more housekeeping, you know, mm-hmm. VIP archery. Indeed, VIP. I'll tell you
0: what. Get on. Go order you some broadheads, man. Right now they have the turkey heads that you can get. You can lop turkey's heads off for $20. bucks. i am pretty sure they're on the website for right now. The old guillotine, dude. That is hard to beat.
3: It's pretty hard to beat. Build yourself a new arrow setup. Mm -hmm. I got a beautiful one waiting to lop a turkey's head off right now, and it's looking
0: spicy. I'll be honest. This year, I'm very, very excited about turkey season, and like always, go figure. (laughs) But I really think this is the year that I want to do it with a bow with the guillotine broadhead. I think Let's this it. is it, man.
3: Let's do it. Let's double
0: down. Oh, I'm so, so down. I have double property, I think, lined up, I hope. Fingers crossed. I can't knock on that wood because I can't.
3: Let's go knock on some doors and make sure we have several. Yes, yes, yes,
0: yes. Pick a weekend and do it. But you can also send your four-blade combat veteran right through one. I've seen it done multiple times. It's it kills awesome. them quick. They did. Boy, does it kill him quick. I was right over Sam Shorter's. He shot one in Ohio the one year. Fall Turkey. Man, the devastation he did to that poor thing. Yeah. D-E-D. And D-E-D.
3: Dead. Dead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but guys, check it out. I, I We're huge combat veteran fans. I've actually seen the guillotine in action a few times. It hasn't hit its course yet, but that broadhead is mean. It is built to survive Soviet Union wars. So yeah, yeah. It's built that that sturdy. And Pretty gnarly. It, it's good. It's all good. I want to send one through a coyote and see the devastation it does to something like that because gnarly, uh, dude. Gnarly Charlie. Yeah, could you imagine? Yeah. Woo, Boy. Oh god.
3: Well, as of you know, this launch, we will be on our way to the great American Outdoor Show. Exciting. We're gonna be in the scree booth, guys. Come check us out. We're gonna be putting all kinds of stuff on our stories. Instagram, Facebook, maybe some TikToks. Yeah. We're going to do all kinds of fun stuff. So Heck come yeah. check us out. Come check out Scree. It
0: be wild. I, I don't think the booth number is even relevant there because it's so big and it's it's like 44, 34, or something along those lines. We'll figure it out real quick here. But I know we're not in the main archery hall. We're going to be in either like the whatever they're going to call it this year, outdoor living, or, you know, it's one of those little accessory. Uh, rooms forty three twenty two. I was close forty three twenty two. So look it up on the map. You'll see Scree. Boom, big block there. We're gonna be in the same room as some pretty notable other uh, companies as well, like Latitude
3: Timber Trail e-bikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's gonna be some some fun stuff. I so think if you uh, guys
0: remember our videos from last year, we actually uh interviewed Timber Trail e-bikes. That yeah. was one of the ones that I did when Joe was with me there filming. And uh, we're going to have the media passes again. We hope to get around. But, you know, as we're trying to help the Scree booth, it's going to get busy. We know it's weekend. You guys are going to show up. You're going to hopefully come out, hang out, talk to us. But. You know, we're gonna try to escape and at least give you some content. Of what's going on? We're, there too. we're gonna
3: try and grind, guys. We're gonna we're gonna put in some work for Scree, and then I think after hours, we're gonna be recording some podcasts. So yeah, yeah. it's gonna be good. It's gonna be a lot of fun. So we hope to see you guys out there. Come check us out. We'll uh, you know be putting everything out on social media. So it'll it'll be good.
0: If I don't forget them this year, I'll have stickers with me. I forgot them last year. My apologies, but I should have some stickers left over. So. Come ha- come check us out, and uh, I might be handing out some uh, Whitetail Distraction stickers out of my pocket or something, out of my scree pocket.
3: Out of my scree pocket. <laughs> <laughs> that Very Heck, fun. Yeah, man. Very
0: fun. Well, I'm excited to get into this one with Josh and uh this is a fun one, boys and girls. I'm telling you right now, this is this is fun. We we got a lot of good talk and at the end we sneak in that screed talk, so make sure you listen to the end. A
3: lot of fun stuff to come, guys. New stuff to come, new
0: line, new items. Ooh. Ooh, boy. Oh boy. Here he is. I'm excited. All right, guys and gals, we are back with episode 132. We have yet again a phenomenal guest for you a guy that we've been trying to corner down It's this is kind of the theme as of late we are getting a lot of people that we've wanted to get on for a while and we're finally getting them in we have josh jensen from scree and josh let me tell you man i am so excited to hear about everything we're going to get into today but we need to know how the heck you're doing over there
1: Uh, doing well and congrats on 132 that's impressive
0: Thank you. Very really impressive.
1: You. <laughs> we, we've been no, at it for I a am, while,
0: man, but I I yeah. appreciate that.
1: <laughs> I am I am doing good. I am actually here in Southern Utah. I know it's not whitetail country by any means. We're we're in the heart of mule deer, but uh we uh typically, you know, weather-wise, it's it's pretty warm. But this time of year, we woke up to some snow and and. Uh, it melted within an hour but it's it's been good we're we're doing good
0: yeah now are you more of a cold weather guy or do you prefer the warmth
1: oh i i like the warmth i <laughs> i grew up in the snow i mean Did i grew you? up and i remember the coldest morning i ever had um it was a hundred or it was negative 22 degrees and we used to have to walk to the bus stop it was about three blocks away. And I remember still remember that walk and how cold it was that morning. So I think that's the coldest I've ever been.
3: Oh man. As soon as you said three, I swore you were going to say three miles uphill both ways.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is great. I tell my
1: I tell my kids that all the time, but yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. As you should. <laughs>
1: yeah, I yeah. will
0: say, I mean, pretty much we were on that cusp of when it was negative 22, most likely, somewhere in the school, a line would break, and that's what would cancel school. But typically, we still went to school today. They just cancel it, it gets too cold, they just shut it down. <laughs> it's insane.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, even here, when it's like not even negative, it's like, oh, there's a little skiff of snow, we better shut down. I'm like, well, my kids have, I don't think they've been a full week to school this whole year. Wow, and you're giving them another day off, it's, it's different, <laughs> different world.
0: Than what I grew up in. It sure is, man. It's funny because now you get – like they cancel school when they even hear of a storm coming. And then it might not even snow <laughs> and school's still canceled. I think that just happened like last week.
3: Oh, it definitely did. I, man, I for us, we would get pounded on. And I can remember waking up early in the morning and turning on the news mm-hmm. and watching the little thing at the bottom, all the school cancellations. And like you would see it. You'd be like, oh, Nishanik, okay. And then you'd have to go get your mom. And she'd have to sit there and watch all of them go across until you saw the one that we weren't even going to school. <laughs> and then it would be a two hour delay and you're like,
0: dang <laughs> it, just cancel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. But you know, I'm glad, I'm glad that we kind of grew up in that era because it, it's, it definitely, you know, it makes a difference in, in who you're raised by and whatnot, but still kind of toughens you up. Right.
1: Oh, it's totally different era. I mean, it's, my kids were, like, amazed that you didn't have cell phones when you grew up. I was yeah. like, no, I, I didn't have a cell phone until I was 20 years old. Oh, how did you talk to people? I was like, well, you, you have to talk face-to-face with people. Oh, that's scary. It's like, <laughs> oh, man. Our, our rising generation is doomed. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Josh, let's take it back just a little bit. I want you to kind of introduce yourself a little bit, kind of how you come up in the outdoors and, and your early ages and, and just what you were into. I know you said you weren't really whitetail country, but I want to hear a little bit about like the muleys and everything else too.
1: Yeah, so I grew up, I've, I've hunted my whole life. I've, I've, the style of hunting has changed for me as I've gotten older as a kid it was it was all about tradition it was you know all about i i I hunted with a rifle my entire life um but it would be literally the day before the deer hunt starts my dad would wake us up and take us to the same place every year year after year no scouting nothing it was just you start hiking the same mountain range and hopefully come across something and that's how i did it growing up um until about probably 15 years ago. And then I started taking it a lot more serious and and, and, the, and the style changed a lot too at that point. A lot, of, lot more scouting, going out as much as you can and looking for deer, looking for elk. And, and then the last really five, six, seven years, um, you know, I've, I've been using trail cams just, just to give me a little bit more opportunity to see what's in the area and to you know see if there's a big buck or a big bull and and then obviously there's with with cameras it's it's still it's still so challenging to define and locate but at least you know that they're in that area and so for me it's changed I've, I've gotten i've gotten a lot more aggressive and just more style change over the last 10 15 years and spending a lot more time in the mountains and and hills looking for animals and which makes you know it being married and having kids sometimes challenging and costs a lot more money to do that. But, um, but that's kind of where my background is. And I've, I've really elk hunting has been my passion the last 10 years. I, I, we, someone in my family or my friends or someone will have a big bull tag every year and we'll go spend 10 days up on the mountains and in the middle of September where the bulls are right in the middle of the rut they're bugling we'll we'll call them in get them 20 yards away and they're just screaming right at you and it's just it's just nothing like it so
3: oh man that is uh that's pretty awesome we have like a little bit of like an underwhelming elk herd here in pennsylvania and like we get we get a rut but it is nothing like being out west and hearing that like it's it's totally different like we have a like one mountain range essentially that our elk herd is on and mm-hmm. then you go i mean as soon as you hit out west i mean whether it's wyoming or colorado or idaho or utah i mean it's just a whole new animal i can't even fathom being in that every year like you are i think i would be just as ate up as you are
1: it is it's i mean my memories of this is just you know a few years ago we went back into this area it's it was probably about six six miles back um and you can't it's, it's not motorized you have to hike in there and those bulls will sit in those canyons and bugle all day long and if you get five or six bulls in a canyon they just scream it back and forth to each other and you get in the middle of that and it's just it's intense it's nothing hmm. like it
3: that's got to be a really good time too to really just kind of go out like even if you didn't have a tag go out and just learn and really listen to those bugles and kind of like you know learn the vocalization whether they're challenging or what I mean that's just got to be something to see
1: oh it is yeah it really is And it's fun just watching the, in the film and just to just to learn and, and then practice too a little bit I mean you don't want to be too vocal at that time but it's 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 fun to when you when you call, call and, and they respond and then you see them 800 yards away and then you're cow calling and 10 minutes later, they're literally 30 yards away from you. It's, it's pretty cool feeling.
0: Man. I feel like what elk is for you guys is like what we get as a turkey season. And it's not fair, <laughs> <laughs> right? It's not fair. We get to chase around, you know, birds that gobble out and do kind of the same stuff you're talking about, but maximize that multiply it by, Eight thousand, and then you have your elk season out there. I mean, that is just <laughs> oh, something right. I'm envious of. It's it's something that's on the list and has to happen before you know in the next couple of years.
3: It just has to.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody should experience it. So definitely. Do
3: you ever get to do any turkey hunting yourself, there, Josh?
1: So it's been kind of interesting. It's we've had more turkeys, uh, just, I think the population's grown a lot over, over the last five, ten years here, but growing up, no, I didn't turkey hunt at all. I, I've done it a few times the last few years, but it's just never been as big as, as what you guys have where you're at in, in the South and Midwest, but, but it's starting to gain a lot of popularity, um, mm-hmm. out here in the Western States as well. Definitely.
3: Yeah.
0: Now Utah, I'm guessing that would probably be—is that Rios or Merriam's or um, across?
1: Um, yeah, that I, I think it's Rios, but okay. I, I, I'm not, I'm not the <laughs> wrong guy. <expert> <laughs> he's a, guy. He's
3: an elk hunter <laughs> but Yeah, what kind of elk you got? No, <laughs> <laughs> no I get
0: it. That was that was more of a myself kind of question, an internal question, I guess. Just thinking about it, it you're kind of in that area where it could be either yeah i guess but i have to do a little research on that then yeah I mean, if utah's got turkeys i'm in
1: i know that i think they have both the rios and Marion but yeah. i you have to have to do some <laughs> research on that one you a just have not been
3: bitten by the bug yet huh mm- mm-hmm.
1: well I, we have we have plans this year to go out um and and do some turkey hunting good for sure
0: good i mean i guess it's you know, like I said, I kind of compared it to elk hunting. When you have elk hunting, that's basically turkey hunting on a much larger scale, right? It's very similar. But, like, we can't do that here every year in Pennsylvania. You, you're you lucky if you draw an elk tag once in your entire lifetime. You know, you've right. basically won the lottery to hunt elk in Pennsylvania. So, you know, turkey's kind of our alternative here because it's the more affordable option and more realistic option because there's really not a good elk option anywhere close to where, you know, Pennsylvania is per se. But, uh, I mean, it's definitely something that I am intrigued by. I mean, I, would like to hear, I guess a little more even into, uh, I'm, I'm guessing you went on a hunt, like you said, this year, maybe for mule deer or elk. Uh, did you get out much or how'd that go? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I actually spent a lot of time mule deer hunting and, a lot of it was with, uh, with, with a couple of my, my buddies and brother-in-law and, and didn't kill a, didn't kill a mule deer, but my hat, but I had, a I had my brother-in-law who had a bull tag and we spent the first nine days chasing bulls. And then I had to get back to work. And then he ended up killing a bull the, the day after I left. But, uh, but we had, the, the year before, I'll tell you a quick story, the year before, mm-hmm. two years ago, one my, my, of my friend's uh, dad drew a tag, and I said, oh, I'll, take you, or I'll go out there with you and help you guys out. And so the same area where I killed a bull about five years ago, so basically the day starts like this. You get up at 3 o'clock, you drive to an area about two miles away from camp, and then you start hiking and we hike about 4 or 5 miles back in and you try to get to this spot before the sun's up and along the way you hear bulls bugling and just try to locate well we spent that morning just glassing lots of lots of decent bulls but nothing we wanted to go after um so we wanted to try a different area but the challenge after you've already hiked 5 miles is you have then at that point get up on top this ridge which is about we 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 clocked it about 2200 feet in elevation so we got on top it took us a couple hours to get on top and that evening we saw a really good bull down off the other side Mm -hmm. and i didn't have the tag so i'm thinking to myself don't go down there because you have to go down (laughs) then you have to come back up another 2200 feet And then you're six miles back from camp. Right. (laughs) And so, of course, he went down there, ended up shooting the bull. And, I mean, it was a good bull. I don't blame him for going after it. But we had a – fortunately, had horses. We were able to to pack that thing out. But we got back to camp at 4 o'clock that morning after spending basically 24 straight hours just chasing bulls all day long. And that was—I think we had about 15 miles uh, of hiking and 2,200 feet elevation change one way, then back down the other side, and then back up that way, and then back down. <laughs> and so it was—I oh, I was ready to die. It was <laughs> the intense hunt I've ever been on. That is so.
3: And awful. then you, and
1: then you—and then you tell yourself, "Why? Why in the heck do you do that?" And then next year, go right back into it. And so. <laughs> But it's, it's cool, too, because it's, it's an area there's a lot of black bears in. And so we'll always, always see black bears come across us, um, you know, a couple hundred yards away. And it, it's just a cool area that you see bears, elk, mule deer, and just have so many opportunities. There's moose in there, too. So we always see these wildlife, and it's, it really is cool. It's an awesome opportunity.
3: That's awesome, man. Is there a lot of opportunities for, like, a bear tag out there, or is that something that isn't so, you know, prevalent?
1: yeah there is. there's a uh, so the bear tag there's a spring bear hunt and there's a fall bear hunt. Um, it is a lottery type of thing. so the the area I use in high elk in, you're probably three to five years of way, of putting in for a bear hunt, okay, but to to be able to draw it. so there yeah, definitely opportunity.
0: Hmm. Now, when you talk about camp, that's like a, a hard wall camp like an actual cabin type deal you're coming out of.
1: No, so we're we're in a tent. I mean, we're, we're we'll set up a wall tent or a, okay, and and just spend ten straight. I mean, last week I was I, nine straight days out in the backcountry just every every other day, just going into different areas and come back to the tent, sleep yeah. on a cot, and not shower for nine days. It's, yeah, it's,
0: so it's still pretty brutal.
1: Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. There's no cabin. There's no cabin hunting there showering and using the bathroom, it's all all good stuff.
0: <laughs> nice, nice. And how have you guys packing in on those kind of day trips per se? I mean are you you packing a whole bunch or are you kinda of trying to stay light?
1: Yeah, I mean, typically you try to stay light, but by the time you know okay. glassing's a big thing for us. Um so by the time you have your tripod, your spotting scope, your you know, food for the day, your gear I mean, you're probably thirty pounds, thirty to thirty-five pounds in a backpack, and so it's still pretty brutal. Yeah, when you all that stuff, but
3: going up that elevation, it starts to feel it, huh?
1: Oh, it kills you, man! It it's mm-hmm. tough. Now,
3: how high how
0: high of elevation total are you guys at? I mean, where are you starting at? Are you four thousand, six thousand? What's What's that look like?
1: Yeah, starting we're about seven thousand feet oh, elevation. Geez.
0: Much higher than I thought. So, <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're we're hitting upwards of 9,000 to 9,500 feet in elevation. Wow. Yeah,
0: oh, yeah. so you got to add all that in. I mean, that definitely yeah. uh, <laughs> makes for quite the experience.
1: And I think elk hunting is the one hunt. I mean, you just have to prepare yourself physically. It, you, you just you can't just go and expect to hike that far and, and, and be able to breathe that easy with the elevation. And the mentally... You have to prepare yourself physically you have to prepare yourself where it it will be a miserable trip
0: yeah
3: i know how that
1: goes man yeah
3: i have done my fair share of huffing and puffing
0: (laughs) (laughs) i hear you man now i i meant to hit on something earlier and i you brought it up kind of like when you grew up you were that traditions kind of hunting what you know for us here our traditional hunting is you know you're 12 years old put a rifle in your hand and you go out first day of whitetail season for you know for deer, and that's that's our tradition. Now with you guys, I know you said you did a lot of tra- you went to like the same spots. Was that a mule deer hunt then that you were
1: referring to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, mule- growing up with mule deer hunt has changed a lot. I mean, I could go, I could pick up a tag every year, and I and I knew we we can hunt every single year. Mm-hmm. Um, where now is. It, it's a lottery system as well. And if I can hunt deer every other year, every third year, it, it's pretty lucky. It, it's so a lot of it's changed too. And not for the, not necessarily for the, a bad thing, as long as they're managing the deer herds correctly, I don't mind not hunting every year. I, I can find tags, other tags, and other opportunities to hunt. Uh, but growing up, yeah, it was, I'd go to the to the local store and we'd go at like 10 or 11 o'clock that night when the when the hunt opened and or when the drop when the tags open you could go wait in line and pick up a tag every single year and and then we would just like I said kind of hit the same areas every single year.
0: Was that like a waited out till midnight kind of thing?
1: Yeah, it went, yeah. It's just it would open at a certain time okay. and you go sit in line like the Black Friday yeah. shopping thing that people do and that's and pretty I remember cool just dude. wait and fill out the, get the licenses so i like
0: that that's yeah that's really cool
3: so you have a draw for residents to get a deer tag huh
0: yeah that's that wild.
3: Is wild have you look so that being said have you seen like the quality of the animal increase or has it just kind of been like a like a trickle or has it been something significant
1: uh you know for mule deer it, it's it's so interesting because we also have limited entry units here in utah so we'll have a general unit where it's still a draw but you'll have to wait every one two years and you know we'll see anywhere from 140 to 180 inch mule deer and then and and a lot of that's based upon how many tags they get out because you could have hunters come in 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 an early snow and it pushes all of that deer out of the high country down into the lower hills and and essentially wipe out a lot of a lot of the bucks that year and then you have to wait two three four years before that herd population you know gets back to the buck to doe ratio um so so it can affect definitely how many tags they get if it's an early if early storms can affect a lot of that as well so so you could get then, unlucky
0: then and draw on one of them down years and just never see the quality buck you're after.
1: The last couple of years I've hunted deer has been tough. It's just wow. we've we spent a lot of time looking for just even a decent buck that you know I can have my kids go with me and shoot something and it's yeah it's been challenging. But then wow. but then in the, in the same respect, man, it's there's another unit here that has probably the best mule deer in the united states right now too it's 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 a limited entry unit which means it's going to take you 20 to 25 years to draw but they've had giant bucks every year killed that anywhere from the 230 to 260 inch mule deer taken and they're giants and it's just this this unit just is producing high quality giant mule deer. And it's, it's an awesome, it's only two and a half hours away from me. It's just, it's frustrating because I'll never draw it because 25 years from now, I I probably won't even be hunting. So,
3: oh man,
0: that's a bummer. Now, is there anything in place that, you know, favors the resident over a non-resident? I mean, I know here, like we can, we basically get to draw our doe tags prior to non-residents. You know, is there anything in place that kind of helps you guys out, gives you a little edge?
1: Yeah, I mean they'll they'll give a lot more resident tax versus non resident tax. Okay. okay. Um so there will just be an allotment of non resident tax given per unit. Um, but majority of it is resident tax. So
0: that is wild. I mean I know here when they implemented like the antler restrictions, that was like a huge deal. People were pretty much furious about it at front. Up front and then, you know, they took away like the uh, the antlerless season and, and gun for a week and people were in uproar about that so I can only imagine what it was like when you know you kind of had to draw and people weren't getting you know that mule deer tag every year and like you said that was a huge traditional thing I mean you're you're really kind of screwing with something that that people grew up on and and you know there's a lot of that going around I guess people were doing certain things that helped the herd and you know whatever reason it is is like you said as long as it comes out in the positive in the end that's all you can ask for. At least they're trying. They're trying to do something, you know. I mean, I I could say the same about turkey right now. All across most states, their turkey population is going down and only some of the states are doing anything about it. So yeah.
1: eh, conservation Conservation's
0: well, kind of a big deal,
1: I guess. It is. And, and the good news is, I mean, there is opportunities everywhere. If you want to look for it, there's opportunities mm-hmm. like like I know they're making a big a big uh for us, you can draw. You can draw a cow elk tag, archery, or a spike elk tag every year. It, it, that's not a draw. You can buy over-the-counter tags for it. So there is opportunities to hunt every year. Gotcha. It's just some of them are harder than others, so okay. which is good. Yeah.
0: Well, I keep teasing, and I I kind of keep bringing up the white tail thing and, and cross referencing to. Get into something pretty exciting. Uh, we got some shitty grins on our faces. <laughs>
3: because it's our
0: understanding, you went on your first whitetail hunt of your life this year. And boy, are we excited to hear about it.
3: I'm over here like, you yeah. got any more of them whitetails?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I actually went on two whitetail hunts this year. And, and one was a rifle hunt um, in Saskatchewan. And the other was an archery hunt uh, in hunting, Louisiana. Um, yeah, a different world, man. I, mm-hmm. it's, uh, I'll tell you about Saskatchewan was, was was awesome. I mean, they have, first of all, I was amazed at the size of these whitetail. There. I mean, the ones they have in Saskatchewan, their bodies are bigger than mule deer. And yeah. so it's just amazing to see, like, The buck I ended up killing was about 140 inches, uh, whitetail. And so once we got, I'll just tell you the story, but once we got up to Saskatchewan, um, we went with a, with an outfitter group called Spear Creek Outfitter. Um, you have to, you have to go with a group, uh, outfitter there to hunt a whitetail there, unless you're a resident. Okay. Um, so we got, and, and what we did is we, we hunted out of a, a box blind, and so first time I've actually hunted out of a blind too and like I said this is a rifle hunt and what they would do is they'd kind of drop us off first thing in the morning and we would sit in the blind all day long and so that that's you have tough. to have a lot that's of patience
3: brutal. that is brutal man
1: uh-huh <laughs> now, now what what are the
0: conditions like what's you know what's the temperatures outside and and is like this the rut period or what kind of phase are we in
1: yes this is this is pre right. I mean, this is first of November. Okay. Um, it was cold. It wasn't like bitter cold, but it was cold. It was probably low thirties. Um, and, um, yeah, it was low thirties, but it's just, it's just that I'm not used to the style. I'm used to spot and stock where I'll go and glass an area and then go, then go stalk an animal. Mm-hmm. But sitting in a blind, it's just like, you get, it drives you nuts. It's like, they tell you, don't leave the blind. You know, if you have to, go, if you have to pee, pee in a bottle, don't, don't, leave your, don't leave your blind. You know, some of it, I, I, I still don't know why, but, <laughs> but don't go look around. You know, just stay in your blind and, and wait for these animals to come to you. So the first day for me, I didn't see anything. Nothing came to my, um, nothing came. And I'm like, all right.
0: Playtale hunting day, sucks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, who the heck does this crap? <laughs> uh. <clears throat> Se- second day, this 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 buck came in right at dark. And, and it's funny because it just appeared out of nowhere. And, and, it, and I looked at it and I'm like, oh, that's not... That's a good buck, but I don't know if I should shoot it. And so I got my phone out. I actually recorded him a little bit and and I showed, I got back to camp that night and showed them and they're like, why didn't you shoot that? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I mean, it was a good buck, but I don't think it was a giant. And they're like, that's a good buck. And it was just, it was the fact that their body was so big, it, it, you know, it's antlers was really good, but it just didn't look giant with the size of the body of that whitetail.
3: Okay. Yeah, totally.
1: And so they said, if that buck comes back, you need to shoot that. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so the next day, the third day, I'm sitting back in the same, same blind, um, and that buck came back. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to shoot this. Because there, there, there had been a bigger buck in the area. And I'm like, ah, oh, should I shoot it? And that, thing's, and that thing waited there for at least 10 minutes. Um, just no cares in the world. And I'm like, should I shoot it? Should I not? Should I shoot it? And it was one of those just split second decisions. It's starting to get dark. I'm like, if they tell me to shoot this, I guess I should. And so, so I shot it and rest is history. (laughs) And I mean, it was, and and the hunt was over. And so that style was completely different, you know, three days in a blind and, It tries your patience. It's it's just like, wow, I'm not sure I can do this for a week. Yeah. That
0: that style is a little different.
3: You will definitely find out if you're patient or not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You better have something to keep you busy because you're looking at the same stuff, too, from the same blind day after day. I mean, I know even – when we used to hunt kind of the same trees, or you're getting a rut and you're in the same spot because you know it's good and the deer's going to come by there eventually, but you got to hunt it a couple of times. I get in the same tree two or three times. I mean, I start, my eyes start to cross. It's just, and we're not there all day either. You know, something we might be out there for four hours, six hours the most mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, and it just gets old. So, man, God bless you. I don't think I could have done it all three <laughs> days in a row. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And some of the guys were out there for five days waiting on a certain buck and it, mm. it was just, but it was crazy. So we, so I got back to the camp and they weighed it. I mean, they hadn't dressed it out or anything yet, but it was, he weighed 268 pounds, I think. Jeez. Oh
3: man, that is, that's an impressive animal.
1: so then it started to make sense. Okay, well, 140-inch, you know, whitetail is, I, I, I guess, a good buck. It is not a um, small deer. Yeah. It just <laughs> looks smaller because it had a giant body. And so.
3: That's funny, but, too, because you think about, like, these Texas deer, you see them, especially, like, the southern Texas where it's really hot. You got these really small deer. And then you have a 140 inch buck Mm -hmm. and it looks like it's a 200 inch buck because it's just that exact same thing. It's like that, that optical illusion. You have these giant antlers on this tiny, I mean, even, even just an average buck on the tiny body just looks enormous. And then you have the total opposite end of the spectrum up there. Giant body, big antlers look tiny. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. it's just crazy.
1: Yeah yeah so that was that was the saskatchewan huh that, i mean it really was a blast it was then I spent the next couple of days and we we kind of drove around the camp where we were at and we would see we'd see whitetail out in the fields every day and and be able to just kind of just see that experience and and uh you know see see what was up there and it was, it was such a cool cool experience. I'd definitely do that one again
3: hmm.
0: I couldn't even imagine sure. my first white tail hunt ever being a Saskatchewan hunt. I mean, that is almost like a dream hunt. That's a lot a of
3: people's dreams going yeah. up there, yeah.
0: That real dark antlers, you know, big, big, burly bodies, typically pretty rough conditions, you know, for you to say low 30s. For up there, that's
3: pretty mild. When when you think of it that, was. you think of the, the you know, beard sickles and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
0: But, <laughs> well, man, it was, good on you. What's
1: funny, yeah, what's funny is we left uh, on a st- – saturday uh saturday early morning saturday it started snowing as we left and it and they said it snowed three straight days oh. and had <laughs> i i think they said they had close to two feet of snow yeah. by the time it stopped snowing so That's, so we kind of missed that opportunity i i think that may have pushed some different deer in but but yeah it's, a, it's all about the timing there for sure hmm.
0: that would have been uh That would have got interesting quick, to put it lightly, but you would have been very thankful for your blind at that point, I would say. And and I think (laughs) that's why they do it up there mostly because, like you said, I mean, one, it's nice not to have people bumping around through the woods. They, you know, kind of with white tail, they're a little squirrely. You got other people on your property, I'm sure, hunting at this outfitter as well. It, and that That's kind of what plays into why they said, you know, kind of stick to your blind. It's kind of so thick up there, you can't really do like spot and Right. I, I would imagine. I yeah. mean, I've never been to Saskatchewan. but From what I've seen, from what I've seen on video, you're right, Austin. <laughs> I would agree with you 100%. <laughs> well, <laughs> they, the
1: they told us that too. They said, listen, I mean, I, I know after you shoot a deer, you're tempted to go chase it through the bush. And said, please call us because we've had people go chase these deer and they get lost because yeah. I'm used to mountains. There's no, there's no like real mountains, but it is super thick timber and it's easy to get lost. And so I do think that is definitely a part of it.
0: It all makes sense. Now to reference body size for you, Josh, uh, like for our deer here, an average deer, man, you, you see it all the time. People misjudge deer weight, but I know we've never but maybe once put one on the scale that it's topped 200 pounds. Typically a big, big buck. It's, you know, 160 to 180s, high 180s. I know my dad killed one field dress. It was like 202 or 212, something like that. Austin, I know you killed one that was—
3: That big half rack right there. He, uh, without his head, because he was so long— the butcher couldn't get him on the scale without taking the head off. Mm. And he was like 208 without his head.
0: Insane. And that
3: was the biggest. That was the only one I've ever killed like that. Like Charles said, most of them are usually around like that 170, 180. If you shoot a real big one. Yeah.
0: Real good one. That's typically where you're at. So you were a full, almost hundred pounds heavy. (laughs) 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 That's that's impressive. It's a lot of animal, man. A lot of animal.
1: Well, well, and it's just, I mean, so we, we, yeah, they butchered it for us. We took it all back and man, I've enjoyed eating that white tail. It's it's good eating too. It's it was it's been awesome.
0: Sure is, man. Now how were the deer in Louisiana looking after that in comparison?
1: Yeah. So <laughs> so then so then I got a I got a call from from one of our uh one of our guys who actually lives in Louisiana. He's like, Hey, come out here, my buddy's got a property. Come out here and let's go hunting. And and so this was the week before Christmas, right around mid mid-December, he's like Rut's just kicking off. Um, it's on a property that a lot of people don't hunt, but there's there's some good there's some good bucks and and I said, okay, well, you know, what what are some of the expectations there? He's like, anywhere from you know 130 inch up to 150 inch, but then they also have a few that could top that. Hmm. And you know, they they sent some trail cam pictures of some deer that were were awesome, and I was like, got got us all excited and like, all right. But, but it was, you know, so <clears throat> once again, this style, this style, this is a, a an archery a bow hunt, um, <clears throat> which for me, I've just started getting into bow hunting. It, you know, last three or four years is kind of the first, I've, I've taken it really serious, but this would, you know, the hunting from a tree stand is something I've never done before. Oh, and, you yeah. know, I don't, I don't do this out West. And so it's just. It was completely, you know, new thing for me. And so that whole ride out to, to deer camp was just loaded with questions. Well, well, what should I do with this? I mean, how high up are we? Um, you know, how, how do we get up there? How do I judge? And, you know, and they're like, they're like, Josh, just, just quit talking. You'll see. <laughs> I can't answer that. You just got to experience it. I'm like, all right. But it was funny because I, <laughs> we flew into New Orleans and and they picked us up to the airport and took us out to, to Northern end of the Northwest part of Louisiana. And, you know, we stopped at a gas station to to fill up and I go into the gas station and (laughs) they have this whole, like just food buffet in the, in the gas station. And I'm like, what, what is this? And like, yeah, welcome to Louisiana. We have we have food buffets and all this other stuff right in the gas stations, and I'm like, "All right, I can dig this. This is pretty cool." <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so that was my first taste of Louisiana, and then, so we get out to camp that night, and we get set up, get up early in the morning, and and they, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I'm with a, uh, I'm with one of my guys there. He was gonna film it, and you uh, know, I'm like, well you know what I'm thinking that they have tree stands already set up like no we're, we're doing the mobile thing and, and I'm like okay and so you know I cl- he gets everything set up I start climbing up and sit on the platform and it's like yeah, literally uh, two feet by three feet and it's like I'm supposed to just stay up here all day long and, <laughs> and we, <laughs> we, we didn't stay up there all day long but we were there till probably 11 11 30 and it's just like it's just so different it's just the one thing i've realized with whitetail is man and, and you someone mentioned earlier they're just so skittish it's like the first sight or the first smell or anything they're always looking it and they're gone like that where where mule deer they'll they're curious they want to see what there is if you do scare them they'll trot off 30 yards and turn around and look back at you and and i've noticed white there's a first sense of danger they are gone and they're not coming back and so that was an interesting uh difference i've noticed between the two
0: yeah their first instinct to survival so, was flight no doubt they're just gone
1: yeah so so we spent four days um i was with another guy here at scree and, and he ended up killing a, a buck and but my second day was 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 super was super fun i mean <clears throat> up in the tree and we had I had three different bucks come and two of them were chasing does and so they came I mean they, they I didn't get anything closer than 47 yards uh, so I was I was, class, I was, I was uh, making trying to see where they came and and just sh- shooting lanes man it's like wow if I, if I had my rifle I would kill these things easy all but, day but 47
3: just, yards is a poke in the timber
1: yeah oh I know and it's like but it just never would line up I would have my lanes but they just wouldn't come into lanes and 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 they wouldn't stop and they just kept chasing the does and I mean it was wild it was fun to watch but it just never never presented an opportunity for me to to uh, actually shoot anything but but it was fun I saw a lot of deer um, uh, the place we were at actually in Louisiana had had the biggest per capita black bears in Louisiana at the, at their place where they hunt and so we ended up seeing i think six black bears during that hunt that's um, pretty
0: wild man you just can't get away from them huh
1: i i did attract black bears but <laughs> but they would come and the guy i was with he was funny he he was scared to death of black bears and i'm like ah, that would be cool if one came up start climbing up the tree and he's like no I, if that happens i will i will leave you up there and i'm i'm running i'm like <laughs> <laughs> good luck with that man but, <laughs> but oh
3: man that was wild
1: just just a different experience just from what i'm used to just it's all about patience it's about sitting mm-hmm. and 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 making sure the wind's in the right direction making sure that you don't move and and those deer have to come to you as opposed to what i'm used to with i'm i'm trying to spot them and then i stalk on them and so it's just, it's, it's a lot more patience with whitetail hunting is what I learned. Definitely.
3: It's more like that game. You're, you're constantly trying to like pick all of the variables and use them to your advantage. But at the same time, like he's doing the exact same thing. So it's his cat and mouse game. And I think that's kind of what really gets me about it the most, you know, just trying to stay mobile and just really pick a piece apart and just try and figure out how he's using it to just beat him. And it's, it's so much fun, man. It keeps me up at night. sometimes.
1: <laughs> no, I got the bug, man. I, I, I mean, I got it. I, <coughs> I am hoping we can get out and do a lot more whitetail hunting too. It's and like you said, it's, there's just so much opportunity. I, I think that Louisiana tag had, you could kill two bucks and two does, uh, you know, on a license. And, um, where, you know i'm like well this is this is kind of cool you you just have so much more opportunity yeah so
0: that's pretty cool man now what they do they put you in a climber like a climbing stand you just had a hump up the tree
1: yeah well so they had those mobile sticks that they okay you just, they you wrap, wrap around the trunk sweet yeah and cool. and so he would my guy the guy i was with he would set it all up and then and then he would be in a saddle behind me just filming the whole thing and then i would sit in the stand but um heck yeah yeah it was cool (laughs) did
0: Did the saddle interest you at
1: all (laughs) heck no not yet yet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i was trying to i was trying to get over just a tree stand i I, i'm not a big fan of heights yeah and so i had it i had to train myself just just don't really look straight down just (laughs) look out and you'll be okay and so
0: see the funny thing about that is when you go when you do go to a saddle It's almost taking that fear of heights away because you're always, you know, kind of attached. You're always tethered and kind of putting your weight into that tether. It's It sounds weird because you're leaning away from the tree, but I know guys that are afraid of heights and they like the saddle better than a tree stand because you're not you know, using your own ability to kind of stay on a platform. You're not tippy. Right, right. You're, you're not, you know, standing there. And, hey, if I fall off, yeah, I have, I'm have i tethered on. I will get caught. But then I'm hanging there. You know, where a saddle, you're always attached. You always have kind of tension. And I'll tell you, when I went from a saddle back to uh, a stand, the first time when I first was kind of messing back and forth, that time on the stand was the most scary like the scariest moment of my life because i i was just hugging the tree the whole time you know and there's something weird about facing the tree as opposed to facing away from the tree kind of that feeling you get it's weird man but i'm, I'm telling you you might you might like it you might be interested uh, i think we could sway you that way anyhow but
1: yeah well maybe we'll have to try it try it this year yeah I, and that's what the guy i was with said too he's like i said so i mean if you ever had any close incidents of falling out of these stands and he's like no it's just you gotta trust your equipment if Mm -hmm. you trust it you'll be fine yeah
0: (laughs) that's so cool did they let you do any like calling sequence any rattling grunting anything like that
1: no we didn't do any of that i think they were just trying to get me (laughs) just used to being up in that tree stand and and not freaking out and just just having some deer come up on me that's awesome did you get to see a lot of animals i actually saw a lot of deer yeah i saw i mean here's the interesting thing about this too it's something i i hadn't realized a lot of does Mm -hmm. and actually i had a lot of does come in like within 20 30 yards of me that i could have shot but but and and these guys didn't quite understand they're like well you should have shot a doe and i'm like growing up out here you know shooting does are kind of like not frowned upon, but just, like, people don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but then again, there's a lot of people, you know, talking to, to these guys I was with, they're like, man, we, you know, we kill four or five, you know, deer uh, a season because that's our, that we eat the meat. We eat a lot of this meat. And so, um, so yeah, we'll kill bucks, but we'll kill does, too, for the meat. And and we do that, too, with mule deer, but, but people just don't really – get excited over does and so I asked him I said so why why is it you guys you know put so much emphasis on these old old does and and like almost like a a reward or or, you know you get more sometimes more excited killing an old doe than you do a buck and and they're like it goes back to that whole skittish thing man if these these deer these older deer who live forever I mean they're smart they it's it's almost like you have to be more skilled and more, <clears throat> you know, to kill these older, especially does cause they're so skittish. And so, yeah, it's more rewarding because you typically don't get that opportunity to kill these older does. And so, yeah, if you get the chance, it's, it is kind of a, a rewarding thing to do. And so I thought that was kind of interesting.
0: Yeah. I will tell you what we've said on here um, many, many times. If you can kill an old mature doe consistently, you can kill anything. They are probably the hardest thing to kill in the woods consistently. And the main reason for that, in my opinion, is that they are always looking out for not only themselves, but others. I mean, they're always, always, always on edge. They're never distracted by a rut. You know, you can get you can get an old buck slipping when it's that time of the year and he gets interested. He's going to get up on his feet. He's going to start looking Um, You know, they are slaves to their bellies like they are, like, you know, any deer is. So there's not really a big difference there. But you got to think, you know, most of the year they're going around with a couple young on their sides. They have to look out for them. They have to look out for themselves. And I'm telling you, there is nothing better in the woods at remembering what tree you were in the last time they bust you (laughs) yeah. than an old mature doe. They will come around the corner, look right at that spot and bust you time after time again. It is just, Oh man. Like you said, it is so much fun sometimes beating them because they are so good at what they do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, man. It's just totally different game. I really is. It's, it's, but it was so fun. I mean, I want, I definitely need to get back and, and do that again this year so i i loved it
0: it was it was so cool that's awesome man well congratulations first off on your first buck
3: yeah, man, I, great buck to start off on unreal. too i shot a little forkhorn <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> my spikes up there right there that's my first buck things about the six inch spikes on each side <laughs> you know but that yeah that's so cool man that is so cool i want to transition we got a little bit of time left here we got to talk scree right uh there's so much happening right now at Scree. I know you guys are dropping solids. Like, there's a lot going on. What is the newest update with Scree? And I know it's show season. What do you guys got, you know, in the near future going on?
1: Yeah, good questions. Um, as far as product, we've we uh, we have got some really cool things we're planning for this year. Um, right now, we're, <clears throat> we're just finalizing. We're close to being done with. With a, a new pair of pants, um, and what that'll be, it'll be kind of a, a hybrid between our our Uinta early season pants and our Harsh travel pants. It'll be a, a super lightweight, stretchy pant that'll be available in you know camel patterns, but also in our solid colors, so people can wear them out, you know, out out around town, <laughs> wear them to church, wear them wherever you want. And you just don't get that look of that camel wearing camel around to the market and, and all that stuff too. And so it's more of an everyday type of pants. So we're, so we're super excited about that. Um, we just launched our uh, uh, some solid options in our Merino wool, uh, our 300 Merino wool hoodie, which is I've, I've worn mine the last probably four days in a row. Merino wool is just absolutely amazing as far as, uh, it's an antimicrobial piece. It it doesn't hold any odor. It's soft. It's just it's warm, but then it also can cool if you get too hot. And so we have those in solid options as well um, now on our website. And so those we're super excited about that. We also have a our in our ptarmigan jacket. We have plans for a ptarmigan vest, a, a puffy vest, to come out before hunting season this year and so we're super excited about that one
3: i know charles is just like oh. crawling in his skin right now to get his hands on
0: one you have no idea <laughs> that is so exciting man so exciting i'm a big vest guy like i am huge yeah. on vest i'm wearing a vest the, right, right now a hardscrabble vest one of my favorite favorite pieces it goes with me pretty much every hunt when weather allows but oh i i am so excited for that man and uh it's, it seems like you're solids too you guys kind of landed on more consi- like the brown and the green is that gonna yeah. be you know the trend moving forward just mostly the brown and the green
1: so along those lines and this will get you excited too and i forgot to tell you this earlier oh, but boy. we do have we do have solids in those two colors coming out for that harsh vest as well
3: that's what i'm excited oh, for it, it. Yeah, you can mark me yeah. down for one, definitely.
1: Oh man. Okay, hey, we'll, we'll we'll hold one for you when we get when we get when we have them. My man. But yeah, <laughs> we we want to do more solid. We want to offer more solid options as well, you know, into you know, probably some some dark, you know, maybe some black and and gunmetal uh, gray and some of these oh. other solid options as well. So more solids will come out for sure. And then we just want to get more offerings too of You know we've talked about a a kind of a lighter we have a we release our guardian series stuff which is a a uh, guardian bib and jacket um, which is a super heavy bib and coat for cold cold conditions and so we've we've discussed doing a not as heavy option as far as bibs as well Um, a little bit more mobile not as heavy but you can you can Pack them around a little bit better, but pro- provide a lot of warmth that way.
3: Okay, sort of similar to like a hard scrabble bib or something, maybe.
1: Yeah, along those lines. Okay, yep. cool, cool. Yeah, Heck and yeah. as far as sh- as far as expos and shows, mm-hmm. I mean, we are actually next week we'll be going to uh, Salt Lake. Uh, it's the biggest, really, in the West. One of the biggest shows in the West, the Western Hunting and Conservation Expo. And at the same time, we'll be officially going to the first time of that great American outdoor show there in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. So we'll have a booth there as well.
0: Yes, indeed. So So by the time this is dropping, Austin and I will be in a vehicle on our way over to set up the booth and help lock out. And, uh, we're excited to be there. We're going to be helping out for the weekend for the opening Mm -hmm. weekend, which is going to be wild. Josh, I'm telling you right now, there's going to be people Uh. buzzing like (laughs) unbelievable and then uh i'll be back again for the second weekend we're not sure if austin will be joining me there but i'll be back again to help the second weekend as well so we'll be down there guys you gotta come see us come check out the scree booth it is gonna be so much fun i'm telling you that show is is awesome but oh that's exciting what else you got you got any other
1: shows we're excited yeah yeah so we're gonna be doing quite uh, several other ones too we're gonna hit the The national wildlife turkey federation the nwtf uh show in nashville this year so that'll be mid february we'll hit the safari club international which is the week after in nashville as well um we've got we're doing the iowa deer classic show uh there's uh there's one in louisiana the louisiana sportsman show we'll do the world deer expo in alabama and then we'll do a couple of these uh, in Texas, there's a hunter's extravaganza in uh, Houston and Fort Worth that we'll hit, too. So we're actually trying to get into more of that Midwest South, even up to where you guys are at and, yeah. and get into the whitetail, whitetail world even more. I, we, we feel like the gear itself is, is a great complement to the whitetail hunters. And so we just want to get the brand out in front of more people.
3: We would tend to agree, my man. And I can vouch. You guys are getting busy, and I love that, man. That yeah, is, that is that's awesome. That's awesome. It's, it's really great to hear that you guys are actually going to hit that many shows. I mean, mm-hmm. that that's impressive. That's a lot of work. Yeah.
1: It is. A ton of work. Big yeah. commitment for so. sure.
0: And I, I'm glad to see it because I agree with you 100%. I was telling you before we started recording, I own basically every piece right now that Scree has to offer and I'm purely a whitetail turkey guy. So, you know, that it compliments me so well. It's been an incredible, what, four years now with the gear and it's just, man, I love to see there's new stuff coming. You guys are always grinding and I, I love that from Scree. Now I got to ask, cause we were talking, you know, a little bit about the solids. Is it, you know, is it kind of the goal that you guys are eventually looking to kind of have the majority of your line offered both in camo and solids, you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, we want to we wanna offer both. I mean, the mm-hmm. core of what we do is still always going to be camo. It's going to be geared toward the, the hunter and giving them concealment edge. And then the second goal we always try to look at is comfort and making – making it so the hunter can stay out longer to give them more opportunity to hunt and, and then affordability is is always the third thing that we look for is is you know once once the concealment and the comfort and the performance is there we want to we want to provide an affordable price for the hunter and along with our our vip sizing and exchange if it does, you know, you order a piece and it's not quite the right fit or size, we're paying for the shipping back and forth until you get the right size in your in your hands. Um, those things, and our lifetime warranty, if, if you have a piece of gear, the seam comes undone, the zipper breaks, anything happens to it outside of regular wear and tear, I mean, we want to take care of you and, and we'll either fix it or replace it for you too. And so it's important for us to have that customer service for for the hunter and so but answer to your question yes i mean we want to offer more solid options um you know for there's a lot of people that that not only hunt but they like to go fishing they like to go do outdoor activities so they're not always wanting to wear ammo mm-hmm. but this gives them another option to to, to go enjoy the outdoors as well so.
3: yeah
0: absolutely yeah. absolutely Man, it's exciting.
3: It is very exciting, and I will say too. I mean, me and Chuck, Chuck had his first ever duck hunt. Mm. Uh, It's been what about a month ago now. Yeah, I will say, man, the old Solus looks pretty good in the swamp too. Sure does. Nice, nice. (laughs) It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Good. But we are running a little bit closer on time here, but. You know, I, I have to ask. We we didn't do it with the last two, and, and I was disappointed in myself for not bringing it up. I have to hear your number one favorite hunting story of all time. Any species. Number one story. I'm putting well, you on the spot. My, it's hard. I know it is.
1: No, it's actually pretty easy. I mean, for me, for me, my first bull elk that I killed is by far the memory I will always just – have and cherish. I mean, so so it was same place where we, we chased that bull two years ago. Um, same type of hunt. We got up early. Now I I had been I think I was about day ten on my elk hunt, and it just mentally, physically, it just exhausts you. I mean, you're and and you got all this pressure too of like trying to find the right bull because you know that it, it doesn't happen very often. So you want to you want the right bull. You want Gonna be able to find it and, and we were back up in here and i i'd missed the bull earlier that morning and so i was already down on myself and and i climbed up uh <laughs> well we had glass and we found this bull the bull that I eventually eventually killed and so we it took us several hours to get up on top of the mountain and find him but he had been running with 12 cows and and just as we got over the ridge we did you know, we located him, he just, we must have bumped him or he must have smelled us or something, but he had pushed his cows over the next ridge. And, and just as we saw, as we crossed over, I saw him go over that next ridge and I just thought, oh man, uh, he's gone. So, so my brother-in-law who was with me, he actually cow called and that bull literally 10 seconds later came back over that ridge cause he thought he had left one of his cows there and he came back over the ridge and this was with a muzzle loader. and he stopped about 200 yards away from us and gave me a, an opportunity to shoot. And so I shot him and, and, and killed him. And this was about three o'clock in the afternoon. And by the time we had called, uh, called my uh, other brother-in-law to bring the horses up there. It was <clears throat> probably 10 o'clock at night, and it just started raining. It started and eventually turned into snow. And it was funny because it was actually lightning and thunder on top of that ridge as as a, as the sleet and the snow started to fall. And we had another 2,200 feet elevation change and about five miles back to camp. And it was one of those late morning, 3, 3.30 type of hunts but just just seeing that bull elk on on the back of that horse as we as we took it back to camp and that grind back to camp it was just super rewarding And, and and that by far is my my favorite hunt i've ever been on
3: that was a tremendous story man i love that that's really cool man really really cool yeah so.
0: Well, before we let you go, we gotta ask: is there is there anything we missed? Anything you want to touch on, Josh? Uh, whether it's with Scree or uh, you know whatever, anything at all?
1: Nothing really. I just I probably just reemphasize, man. I, customer service is what's important for us as far as a company. We love feedback. We love comments. We love to know what you guys like to see. Um, we have a couple offerings with some of our starter bundles, which which allows you guys to, you know, 14 days to put the gear to the test. Any of our starter bundles, um, we encourage you to take it out there, beat the living crap out of the gear. And if it doesn't perform within those 14 days that you want it to, we will 100% refund you money. Won't ask you any questions about why you're refunding it um, because we love we we just feel that that powerful about our gear and that it'll 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 deliver that we want it to. And so we want to give you guys the opportunity to try it and if you don't like it, send it back and we won't, we won't ask any questions. And so that's, that's what, that's important to us. So.
0: Yeah. I, I was going to actually bring up the 14 day because that's not something you see very often either, you know, given basically no, a free trial run at, at, you know, top notch clothing. And like you said, I'm, I'm sure not many people return in that.
1: No, I mean, no. they I don't think hardly anybody has. And yeah. there's been a few people that you know, they just <laughs> for whatever reason. I don't know if they, they took the gear and used it on a hunt and then like oh, I'll send it back to them. But, yeah, um, <laughs> I can which, see that I happening mean, on occasion. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, might. But but I think once people see it and feel it, they they love it and and they want to hold. They want to keep it. So yeah,
0: yeah. That, I mean, the nice part about it is it, it really is a you know a risk-free type deal whenever you're buying direct to consumer you know over the internet what's what's kind of scary about that is you don't know what you're going to get until you get it right so two things there that you guys are doing to solve that problem you're getting the shows so people can see it they can feel it they can wear it they know how things feel and wear and and the second thing is with the size of VIP sizing and the fourteen day, you know, money back guarantee. Those those three options right there kind of take away any doubt you should have about, you know, buying something and not knowing what you're gonna get.
1: Right. Yep. Exactly. So, so.
0: well, excellent, man. Why don't you uh why don't you give a good shout out where everybody can find Scree or they can find social media, you know, all the good stuff.
1: Yeah, uh, just uh, screegear.com is our website. Um, I personally manage all of that, and so if anybody has any feedback, you can email me directly, josh at screegear.com. Um, feel free to, you know, if you're not a web person and you just want to call and talk about sizing and what gear you, you think you need or want for this particular hunt or area or, or weather call us to. We got guys that are that want to talk it and uh are hunters and and know the gear and so whatever your preference is is we we want to be there and available for you guys.
3: That's amazing man. Well Josh, thank you so much for coming on, taking time out of your night and you know telling us some great stories and giving us some you know awesome new stuff coming from Scree. We we just we really appreciate it man.
1: Uh, I appreciate you guys Charles Austin. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you, sir.